I'm finding these microphones a lot easier to talk directly into them. Yeah, because oh, it's like a bigger surface filter. area. Yeah, but oh, also yeah, you remember how filter, the, I, yeah. I don't know, I think maybe <laughs> this might sound funny, but with my glasses, like, you know how like your depth perception is a little bit yeah. fucked up? Yeah. Um, I think with the pop filter there, it wasn't always clear to me exactly where the microphone was right. behind it. So not funny, ha-ha, funny like, oh. Like weird. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, this is, I just realised what we're missing the pop filter. hope that's okay. I think so. Because <laughs> I do do a lot of plosives. <laughs> Hi, Ruth. Hi, Josephine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm excited that this is, is this our 60th episode? It fucking is. Welcome to my favorite musical, the 60th. Anniversary. It's not an anniversary. It's the 60th episode. <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's Ruth. That's Josephine. Yes. Hi. We firstly would like to acknowledge um, the traditional custodians of the land we're recording this podcast on, the dark and young people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. We do. This mm. is my favourite musical. Yes. Uh, I which, already said that. In which we talk about musicals. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a misnomer today. My favourite musical. No, it often is. It, let's it, be honest. Lately it is. Since like episode five or six. <laughs> I'm joking. I've loved a lot. Shane said to me today as we were driving down, because I got into a bit of an argument with him and our youngest daughter about this musical. Yeah. And he was like, why do you love musicals so much but hate individual musicals? It's like that's a really good yeah. question. You're like, if they were all Sondheim, I'd be fine. Yeah, like if they could just be as perfect as Sunday in the Park. Yeah, that's right. Anyway. Um, have you watched 13 yet? No, I haven't. Have I you? haven't either. I did read a good um, – I subscribed to Jason Robert Brown's blog because, of course, I do. You have since the dawn of time. Of course. <laughs> um, and he sent out a like a sort of – I love that that's still – his blog is still a thing. Yeah. And it just gets sent to you as an email when he, he posts a new thing. And it was basically just here's a sort of an FAQ about the 13 film. Oh, right. Because it hasn't gotten great reviews. No. I, I, that might have been what prompted it. But there was some stuff – and one thing I really appreciated is a lot of people – Well, there was some criticism of the fact that, you know, the whole thing is that Evan moves to like, you know, bumfuck nowhere. Yeah. Um, And that. The lamest place in the world. Yeah, that's right. The lamest place in the world from New York. Yeah. And so he feels um, like the fact that like he's Jewish makes him feel like an outsider, right? And, but in this film, um, it's a very diverse place that he moves to right. like it's a very diverse cast etc cetera, etc cetera. well yeah and and Jason Realm was like yeah that doesn't necessarily make dramaturgical sense but also like the, he's the like, alternative it's, it's like it's also a musical where yeah. people burst out into song yes. so like not a lot makes sense right like like 100%. that's not what happens in real life either he's like yes. I would rather these people have an opportunity to be in this movie and for it not to necessarily make sense than the than the alternative. Are these people really asking for the alternative? I think like, they are. I know. Shit. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. We yeah. don't need that in the world. So um, I, I thought that was a, a very good answer. Yeah. And, um, I think we could also spend our disbelief a little bit when we watch it. a musical. It's a musical theatre <laughs> film. So I think it's going to be cheesy. And it's, we're not the target audience also, right? That's true. Like, we're, like, we're old, right? We're old. Yeah. So, but I'm looking forward to watching it at some stage. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. It is on my list of things to do, but um, I was already very beaten down by this week's viewing. So, ah. I just, I thought that's enough. 
Um, um, can can we talk about the door Christian Fellowship McAllen Church? Oh yes, God, that has happened. <laughs> yeah, so that has happened. Most of you would know by now, but the, that church—I'm not going to say it again—is a church in Texas performed an illegal, unauthorized, and highly edited version of Far Hamilton. I, I didn't think anything was going to—I didn't think they were going to have to pay any fines or anything. But now they are, which is good. Well, what's interesting? I've actually heard a few comments from people like, "Oh, it's a bit—it's a bit terrible that Hamilton are asking them to pay damages." And I think, like, well, why? Yeah, <laughs> why is that terrible? Uh, if they hadn't. Been so blatant. So blatant. I think they probably would have turned a blind eye. Mm. But like to stream it, to be ch- making changes oh, yeah. and then streaming it. And then to be making changes that are so – because part of the issue is that the message was – the rhetoric was really anti-gay. Yeah, that's right. Um, there was a sermon that was like said at the end of the production that was anti-gay. And mm. so – and they added like biblical references. So it fully like diverted from the whole intention of the musical and yeah. the ethos of the creators of the musical. Yeah, I'm glad. And Lin-Manuel um, re- produced a really good statement around like no writers should be adequately compensated for their work which is exactly what this is like this doesn't have to be about anything other than that although it is a little bit about other things well to um, me i I was sort of saying it's i i didn't expect because obviously the the um bridgerton um unauthorized bridgerton musical has also all that stuff has sort of come out in the last month where um barlow and bear that's their names isn't it have been sued by netflix um because they're trying essentially to profit you know now do these concerts and have merch and profit off this thing and and netflix had given them permission like with the album and everything Mm. and then once they went down this path Netflix were like hey if this is what you're going to do you need to pay us something for for this and they just ignored them and like thought they would get away with it and I don't know if they thought oh the internet will be on our side but the internet is decidedly not on their side well this is what I've loved about this conversation is that most people once you once you bring it up is like no yeah like if you own a thing it's your thing and you should be paid for the thing yeah that's great that's exactly how it should be yeah and so, um, mm. it's funny because it's like in both cases we're sort of siding on the giant corporate corporation yes. side. But right. in this case, yes. Yes, in this case, yes. Particularly when it comes to some sort of terribly yeah. conservative Christian Absolutely. Texas church. Anyway, what I love is that um, the, the damages have been paid. It's an undisclosed amount. And the Hamilton team have announced that they're donating the damages to the South Texas Equality Step, which is an LBGTQI plus um, advocacy organization. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. So good. Yeah. Hello, exactly thank what you. it should be. Yeah. That's how it should work. Yeah. Wow. But uh, we were sent – it was – while it was happening, like we must have been – our friends who are like great Hamilton fans sent us the video of the trailer of this production yeah. and they fully used – they used the Disney soundtrack like as oh the, the underscoring of the trailer. Like it was so blatant. It was just awful. Yeah. And when he was first approached, apparently the pastor said they had permission to do it. Yeah. And then straight away, obviously, as soon as that blew up, like retracted it yeah. and apologised and – the apology was really good, and they, um, the church had no, like, didn't hesitate to pay damages, um, which is great. Yeah. So that's that. That's an interesting little. I know. Um, yeah, that's that's why you shouldn't steal people's work. <sighs> um, I've seen some shows since we last recorded. Yes. I saw. Well, funnily enough, I haven't seen many shows this year because obviously I have an infant at home. Yes. Um, but the few that I have seen, I've weirdly seen two different productions of Phantom. Yeah. Okay. This is disgraceful. And two different, in a like, not technically two different productions of Jekyll and Hyde, but I've seen both Jekyll and Hyde the musical and a play adaptation <laughs> of Jekyll and Hyde, like, this yeah, year. two versions of the story of Jekyll yeah. and Hyde. <laughs> like, isn't that 
random. And and like before this, how often would you say you've seen Jekyll and Hyde? I've seen it once yeah. in my life. <laughs> Those are crazy odds. Yeah. So what did you think about all of the well, above? Well, so the Phantom that I saw last week um, was a one of the final dress rehearsals of the production that's on at the Opera House, at the Sydney Opera House at the moment. And I'll say again what I said to you then. Didn't we just have a production yeah, of Phantom? Yeah, so, so they did the same thing a few years ago with West Side Story where yeah. they had Inside Story and Outside Story. Yeah. And that's sort of what they were calling Because for those who internally. aren't aware, it was like out on the harbour. Yeah, the first so Opera Australia every year do this thing. It's called Hander Opera on Sydney Harbour. Uh, Dr. Hander is the like uh, patron of mm. the event kind of thing. Mm. That's why it's called that. Uh, we call it Hosh at work. That's what everyone sort of calls it um, as its little um, acronym. Acronym, yep. Ah, oh, good work. Uh, me using acronym correctly. <laughs> um, and so – they did the same thing this year with Phantom. Mm. So they did Phantom on the Harbour and then they also have done it as their like main stage musical kind yeah. of thing for the year. Which I get like in terms of financials, you've got the yeah. production. like Bums on seats. Whatever. And like people go see Phantom, but man. Although I want to be clear, both of those were two separate productions. Oh, it's not it's the not same like, production. No, no, they're completely different productions because of course outdoors there's no um, – back to that stage oh, yeah. because there's fireworks happening behind it and all that sort of thing. The harbour is your sort of back wall of the theatre. Oh, right? God, that, that's actually so much worse than I thought. Yeah, so in both cases, West Side Story and Phantom, no, they're completely, completely separate, separate productions. Whoa. Yeah. What an incredible waste of resources. <laughs> like, really. It's gone well for them. <sighs> um, but, yeah, so basically – but anyway, I thought this production was beautiful. How and can you sit and watch it again and again? Oh, uh, look, you do get different things from it. I, and you know, like we, you know, from our episode, like you like Phantom more than me to a yes. certain degree. Um, I, I just, I, I think you 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 get different things from it because it's like, okay, well, I'm now watching. It's more about the performances that you're yes, seeing and yes, things like or that. Or the, the directorial what, um, choices. This is yeah. the production that they that toured the US um, a few years ago. So it's not that the original Phantom. Um, it's got the well. We, we would sort of call it the Red Phantom. Um, it's it's red it's a different Phantom, production, Phantom, basically. Phantom, it was the new one they did for the twenty fifth anniversary or whatever. Yeah, right. And yeah, it's beautiful. Hmm. Uh, so it's yes, it's not the Phantom you're used to seeing, basically. Oh wow! Quick, get a ticket. <laughs> it's a different Phantom. It's completely sold out. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, no, it was nice. beautiful. No. You're being very negative. It's no, very like, good. I do like Phantom. Yeah. But I, I have an issue in Australia with how often we do the same shows. You say that, but it hasn't been done in 13 years. It was done earlier this year. Yes. Besides that production, <laughs> it had not been done professionally in 13 years. Uh, that's not that's, long that's enough. A, you don't reckon? No. I, I sort of think of 10 years as being the life cycle of one of these things. Yeah, I get it. But like, ugh, come on. <laughs> Can't we do something new? It's not what Wallow. What about Carousel? It's not Wallow. Put it's Carousel someone on. New. Yeah, that's true. Wallow. That's a um, good segue for our musical. I yes. have more news anyway. The Anne Juliet trailer is out. Did you see it? No, but I have seen the show. I know you've seen the show, but the, the trailer for – well, yeah, for the trailer Broadway. for the Broadway production is out because it's about to open. I will be exciting. very interested to see how that show goes on Broadway. Yes. Yeah, because I enjoyed it, but I – Thought it needed a little bit of work. Yeah, I wonder if they. I don't. I don't know what the review is going to be like. Mm. It's fun though. God, it's fun. Well, it's coming here too. I think the trailer is they use that. What? Which is the Britney Spears song that's in it? Is it Baby, Baby One, One More, More Time? time? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the song that. So like they're going to really plug yeah. that. Obviously, that aspect of it. But yeah. yeah, it's that's exciting. Yeah, I think that'll be a cool one to watch. Um, and just sorry, just quickly yes. on that Jekyll and Hyde that I saw. Oh yes. So that was set in like a mental institution, in, in an asylum, yeah, yeah, in like the World War World War Two kind of thing. The forties. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> uh, during World, no, but specifically during World War Two, that was yeah. the idea. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a very very interesting take on the production. Mm. I still don't like Jekyll and Hyde as a musical. Yeah, it's a and, mess. And it, even this interesting take on the production was not going to get me to like it. Yeah. Wow. It's just so. It's like oh, I don't like Frank Wildhorn. There are some others that we've talked about that are just like they're too messy now. It's too messy. Yeah. It needs to either be completely scrapped and rebuilt from scratch, or just like forgotten to shelved. Yeah, because it's been too long of too many messy. And yeah, Frank Wildhorn is a bit of a bummer. I, I know people. Some people love him, but he's not for me. Well, I suppose every everyone has someone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love stuff. <laughs> You do love stuff. I do. You do. And you love, Horn is I not mean, think that about stuff. you and Linda Eder doing that song. You're obsessed with that. Bring on the man. Yeah. It's a great song. It's a great song. Was there's it some, in this production? Absolutely. Good. There's some great, there's some bang, he writes bangers. Bangers, yeah. But in the in-between stuff, it's just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. He reminds me of the sort of Lloyd Webber, the two Lloyd Webbers. Yes. There's the boring Lloyd Webber and then there's the Jesus Christ Superstar yeah. Lloyd Webber. Yeah. He's a bit like that. Yeah. But in the space of one show. But also like he hasn't written Jesus Christ Superstar. No, that's right. Do he you feel the same? Jesus like Christ I don't Superstar. think he's got a show that – I mean you love Pimpernel. Yeah, Pimpernel's Yeah, fine. and yeah. I think most people sort of think think of that as his best show. It's definitely better than yeah. Jacqueline Hyde. Yeah. Interesting that Jacqueline Hyde so much bigger. Well, it had like actual pop hits. Pimpernel yes, didn't have pop. Oh, exactly. no, it did have a pop hit. Was that Jill? Did it? Yeah, yeah. Go see that episode, whichever one was like probably episode 20 or something. It wasn't episode 20. <laughs> oh, God. Um, did you hear about the City Centre production of Parade that's – Yeah, it's in early November, isn't it? Yeah, and Ben Platt has been announced as Leo Frank. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, well, but we haven't spoken about it on Oh, here. haven't we? No. Oh, I thought we had. Oh. Um, yeah, JRB, apparently Ben Platt kind of spearheaded that production. I love him for Leo Frank. Yeah, I think he's a great Leo Frank. I just can't wait to hear that. Like, yes. he will really, yeah, sing the shit out of that. Yeah. It'll be nice to hear another parade. And I can't remember her name. Michaela Diamond. Yes, fuck, she's so good. Yep. I saw her in that, I saw, um, three years ago now, when we saw the, like, dogfight reunion yes, concert. Yes, that's right. She was the lead in that, like, yeah. the Lindsay Mendez character. Yeah. I can't remember the character's name. Rose? Rose. Um, and she was so good. Yeah. And she was in the Share Show. She's really talented. Yeah, the Share Show, that's right. Yeah, yeah. she's great. So that's going to be good. Um, the 54 Below concert that's been announced to celebrate Waitress. Oh, yes, with all the different Jenners, right? With all right? the Jenners, yeah. So yeah. they're going to have like a ton of past Jenners, which yeah, is really great. nice. Yeah, so yeah. That, that'll be cute. Um, also, we've, we have talked about this, I think, but there's a Neil Diamond musical that's on the way. Yeah, A Beautiful Noise. A Beautiful Noise. Yeah. And so, like, I am a bit salty because I had this idea years ago. You said this on the last episode. Years. And, like, the more I think about it, the more cranky I am because I was, I was playing, like, the greatest hits of Neil Diamond the other day and Shane was like, oh, I didn't know this was Neil Diamond. I'm like, that's cor- – yes, exactly, Shane. That's what I've been saying for years. Uh, but the musical, so hopefully it's good. Well, the musical I was going to write was just a one-woman tribute show, really. I love it. <laughs> it was just me singing Neil Diamond yeah. songs. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I love Neil Diamond so much. Um, oh, can we talk about the maintenance phase you're wrong about crossover that has nothing to do with musicals? This, this has nothing to do with musicals. Well, I just – there was a time when on this podcast we used to recommend good things. Yeah, that's true. So um, if you haven't listened to either of these podcasts, mm-hmm. you're wrong about a maintenance phase, probably two of the best other podcasts the best. out there. And one of the co-hosts of You're Wrong About left at the end of last year and it – like shattered Josephine and I. Yeah. Oh, yes. And many other people too. But um, he is also the co-host of Maintenance Phase. He was the, the crossover person. Yeah. Um, but 
Sarah, who is still the You're Wrong About host, um, was on an episode of Maintenance Phase this week. And it was delightful. Yeah, it was so good. I was saying to Shane because we were listening to it together, I was like, wow, here is just three incredibly smart people. I know. Who I know I would be friends with if I knew them. Yes, if only they knew us. It's very that parasocial relationship (laughs) thing. Yes, exactly. If only they knew us, they would definitely be our friends. They would definitely be our friends, but except that they are much smarter than I am. Yeah, it was just a great episode. Anyway, if you're interested in good podcasts. good podcasts and interesting stories and smart people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Should we talk about a show we don't like? Okay. But firstly, I want to say that this will be our last episode of this podcast because I hate this musical. And I just think if we're talking about this musical, then they, there can't be anything can't be anything else to talk about. Yeah. Oh, Ruth. <laughs> why are we doing it? No, it's not our last episode, but I'm here under duress. Under duress. I um. We're talking about Annie. Yeah, hopefully they read it in the title. Oh of yeah, the, in the title uh, of the thing. <laughs> the thing. Um, I so okay. I think of Annie a little bit like how I think of cats. Okay. In With the hatred. sense that yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. But I get why other people love it. Okay. Yep. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like, like I get that there are people who have an incredible sentimental attachment to this show. My husband is one of them. He, he is. Like he's got a like a nostalgic thing going on because he is the same age as the actors, like as the Annie. Oh, yes. And so like it, it was like a childhood experience. Yes, and I think – and I get that um, – like think about that beautiful song from title of show yeah. um, way back to then, yeah. right, where she, she sings about like Andrew McArdle singing yes. and like – there's obviously that thing of, and she would be a similar age to so yes. Shane as well, um, that character. And it is like, oh my God, if you're a, a theatre loving kid, yeah. that, that idea of, of getting to be Annie yeah. would have been enormous, yeah. right? It like would have been. I, and and I think that there, you know, there's and then and then they had all these other kids in the cast as well. Like yep. obviously not if you're a little boy, but it's mostly little girls that are You can go be in loving theatre. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. right. So I definitely get why people love it. Yes. Having said that, I have just always found it like weirdly American. So American. And like schmaltzy and like capitalistic. Correct. In a way that Especially as an adult who has been radicalised, um, I really don't care for a lot of the messages of the show. 100%. Yeah. Yep. So um, that that is kind of, before we get stuck into the nitty gritty of it, that is definitely like what I've realised about the show. Yes. Some of the songs are cute. I had a, like, this is how I feel about it. I've seen all the films. I've seen so many productions of it. Like, I, I've spent... 33 years knowing about Annie. Like, yeah. it's, it's part of the vernacular, right? And Have like, you sung anything from it? Yeah. Like, when you were a kid? I think, yeah, I sang Maybe. Yeah. I don't think I ever sang Tomorrow. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so, even back then, it was done. Yes. Yeah. Even back then. Uh, like, I feel, I feel moderately qualified to say that I think Annie is the worst musical of all time. Mm. I will say that. And for the reasons that you have said, I also think it's poorly put together, it's poorly written, and it's lazy. Like, it's lazy musical theatre writing, wow. I think. Um, but I agree. I think the messages fundamentally are the, are the problem that I have. And I feel very uncomfortable by such an American story. Yeah. And I would understand if this was like The Music Man, something that was huge in America, but maybe hadn't permeated the rest yeah, of the world. But yeah. it has. And that is a bit weird to me because it is so American mm. and like when I'll when I explain the plot there's a lot of things that I understand because I watch the West Wing a lot yeah but like you wouldn't know if you didn't know like American history yeah or, you know sure. what? like the, it's just it's so 
It's a bit yucky like and that. And it's kind of like, unlike, say, Hamilton, which I sort of, obviously is a very American show as well, but kind of celebrates some aspects of America, I think. Yeah. And and those things are still, re- you know, resonate with us today. Yeah. I just think all of the things that it celebrates, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. This is a bit yuck. And not in like a, it's it's not. It's not tongue it's, in cheek. No, that's no, right. It's, being it's very taking serious. itself very seriously. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because on the way here, I had an argument with my husband and my stepdaughter about it. Who are, they both really love Annie, and I, I was getting frustrated with them because they weren't really letting me articulate the reasons why. And I feel like there are lots of times where I hate things without a reason. Right. Like certainly we know that about me. That's not a surprise. <laughs> this one, I just feel like no, I have, you wear that as a badge of pride. Well, I'm not proud of it. Like <laughs> sh- sure, I I'm a hateful person. But this one, I just feel like no, I I know why I don't like it, and I think those reasons are valid. Yeah. <laughs> that they were not having a bar of that, and then I got worked up about it. Do you want to hear the plot of Annie? Yeah, let's do it. It's 1933. There's an 11-year-old Annie. She lives in an all-girls orphanage, having been abandoned there as a baby. She wants to escape the terrible conditions and the awful Miss Hannigan who controls the orphanage to find her parents. So she escapes in a laundry hamper with the help of the laundry guy um, and comes across a stray dog, Sandy. She calls the dog Sandy. I'm really like... I'm really jamming it into a couple yeah. of sentences. Annie stumbles upon this shanty town of many people who've been affected by the Great Depression. So for those who aren't aware, the Great Depression, like the Great Crash happens in 1929. So we are definitely in 33, like feeling the effects of the Great Depression. So yeah, she comes across all these like homeless people who've been put out of work um, and like makes friends with them, I suppose. And then a police officer shows up and like disperses them and sends Annie back to the orphanage. Meanwhile, Grace Farrell, who's the assistant to the billionaire Oliver Daddy Warbucks, <laughs> visits the orphanage to just get an orphan orphan to spend like Christmas with him. That's that's what you do. Like you just get an orphan. When Annie arrives at all at Oliver Warbucks mansion, he's very upset that she's a girl and a not girl, a boy yeah, yeah. Um, and wants grace to send her back but then they just like he just sort of is like oh maybe she's all right and they go on this magical tour of new york city and maybe he likes her a bit um he then officially just wants to like adopt her and miss hannigan is really shitty about that that annie gets all the sweet luck and she and her terrible brother don't get any luck so they decide that maybe they can ride the warbucks gravy train and they concoct a plan to extort him That's of rooster. like yeah rooster and um yeah his girlfriend lily Annie, meanwhile, just wants to find her actual parents. Like the whole time she's like, this is all well and good, but I would just want my real parents, not some weird rich guy. So Warbucks contacts J. Edgar Hoover, who is the head of the FBI at the time, to track down her parents. Like he just calls him up. Yeah. You know, he's a billionaire. Um, so then they go on the radio, cue this completely unrelated song. That happens for no reason in the musical. And um, this couple come forward, or heaps of couples come forward claiming to be Annie's parents. But one of those couples is Miss Hannigan's brother, Rooster, and his girlfriend, Lily. Um, Annie and Warbucks go to Washington, D.C. They visit the president and Annie somehow convinces FDR to, like, change some of his policy to incorporate the lyrics of the song tomorrow. Um, I'll talk about this a little more. But Annie eventually agrees to be adopted by Warbucks because, like, we can't find your real parents, so come and live in my mansion. But then at the last minute, Rooster and Lily present um, compelling evidence that they're Annie's real parents. But wait, the president rolls in and the Secret Service have – 
like involve themselves in this matter and discover that Annie's parents are in fact dead and Annie is a real orphan and she's free to be adopted by Warbucks. She's relieved because she doesn't like mind the life of luxury that she has become accustomed to. Um, <laughs> the show then ends with everyone happy and Roosevelt introduces his new deal, um, which supported people suffering the effects of the depression and which we're supposed to believe like Annie inspired the end. Um, side note, apparently that New Deal was like incredible for the arts. Oh uh, yeah, you? so I'm going to talk about oh, the really? New Deal because yeah. it is like a substantial piece of legislation, yeah. well, not legislation, but like a, a big political move yeah. of the 20th century. Yeah. Mm. I, I heard some podcast about how actually if we could do something like it did for the arts again for post-COVID so many, not would Not just the arts too, like, like men. Yeah. I'll talk about it, but yeah. yeah, it was full on. But to think that like an 11-year-old, a very annoying 11-year-old <laughs> – Again, that is like, well. Um, so Annie is a Broadway musical based upon the popular Harold Gray comic strip, which was called Little Orphan Annie. And that was loosely based on the 1885 poem Little Orphan Annie. Yeah, was that a typo? No, I, I was reading about I that. I think that's real. No, there was like, there was oh. a problem. I was reading. Oh, carry on and I'll find okay. the link. So that was written by James Whitcomb Riley. Um, the musical includes music by Charles Strauss, lyrics by Martin Sharnan and a book by Thomas Meehan. And I don't believe we've discussed either Strauss or Shannon on here before, but Charles Strauss also wrote Bye Bye Birdie and Applause. Um, but Annie was definitely the most successful musical for the both of them. Um, uh, Thomas Mann we've talked about a few times. He wrote up the books for Hairspray, The Producers, Young Frankenstein, Elf and Crybaby. Um, and Strauss is still alive and kicking at 94 years old, but sadly the other two, yeah, sadly the other two have passed away just in the last few years. Um, yes. So there was a, at its third printing, there was a typesetting error that during printing that renamed it. Yeah. Okay, right. The Little Orphan. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I hadn't read that. That's great. Carry on. So basically, um... Shannon first approached me to write the book of a musical about the Little Orphan Annie comic strip in 1972. And me and basically researched by reading a bunch of the strips and was like, eh, like there's there's not stuff in here to write a musical, but the characters are good. So he basically took the characters of Annie, Oliver Warbucks and Sandy, the dog, and decided to write his own version of the story. Yeah. Um, And they were all from New York, all three men. And so he took – what he sort of felt like was the mood at the time that they wrote it, which was like it was Nixon, it was the Vietnam War, yeah. et cetera. And he was like, okay, the Great Depression is kind of like this period of time. Um, and me and saw, um, saw Annie as kind of a 20th century female version of like Oliver Twist Oliver, and yeah. David Copperfield yeah. um, in obviously the Charles Dickens novels, mm. um, especially like – the fact that Annie was abandoned by her parents and they don't know what happened to them, like yeah. those, those sorts of things. And um, so he wrote this sort of story and they liked it, but they edited quite a bit out of it apparently, which he then took and later made a novelization of the musical. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but so that was a lot later, wasn't it? Yeah, but like he basically took all this material that he'd originally written and was like, here's this whole background and it's much bleaker. Than- yes. So I thought that was interesting. So the original um, – Broadway production opened at the Alvin Theatre um, on April 21st, 1977. Now, I would normally write down what the Alvin Theatre is now. Um, and I can you just look up? I which will one look it, it up. Is? Yeah. Um, the sh- and I, I'm sure I know it off the top of my head, but I've forgotten. The show closed on January 2nd, 1983, after a total it's of. It's the Neil Simon. The Neil Simon, that's right. That's right, because it was also, it had set a record for the longest running musical at the Neil Simon at the yes. time. So it ran for 2003. 
377 performances, um, which at the time was obviously a huge run. Mm. Um, I think that was eventually overtaken by Hairspray, I think, played there. Um, yeah, right. Eventually overtook it, yeah. So it was nominated for 11 Tony Awards, um, that original production, and it won seven. It won Best Musical, Score, Leading Actress for Dorothy Loudon as Miss Hannigan, mm. Choreography, Scenic Design, and Costume Design. Uh, for Best Musical, it beat out Happy End, I Love My Wife, and Side by Side by Sondheim, the, re- the review. Um I, I thought it was worth mentioning. Do you think nowadays Miss Hannigan would be nominated as best leading? No, not at all. I don't think so either. I no. think I think probably she'd be best featured. Uh, at the at the most. Like yeah. she does about as much as, as Grace does, I reckon. Yeah. Like, except she I just, just think has it's, that one. It's song. Obviously like at the time that was well, like the, the headliner. That was like a lot of the women who played that role were like Yeah, like the big stars. stars. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um during that initial Broadway run of Annie, there ended up being four touring companies that were launched from that original production. Isn't Whoa. that insane? Like it was big. Massive. It was huge. It was yeah. 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 Uh, there was a 20th. It's so funny. Uh, all these um, revivals that I'm going to talk about and even a lot that I won't talk about. It's always like the 20th anniversary, the 25th anniversary, the 30th anniversary, the 35th. Like, like that's all they are. Like they just every five years, like either in America or in the UK <sighs> or wherever, they just like you know it's so unnecessary they just take a year and like yep we'll do this anniversary oh my anyway, gosh it must be close to where are we it opened in 77 so we're almost at 50 years it'd be 45 years 45, this year yeah <laughs> so a 20th anniversary broadway revival which played at the martin beck theater which is now the al hirschfeld which is where moulin rouge currently is uh, in 1997, entitled Annie, the 20th Anniversary. Oh, my gosh. Um, there was quite a bit of controversy surrounding the casting of Annie. Basically, um, the original actress who was cast in the role, Joanna Pacitti, I hope that's the right um, pronunciation, was fired and replaced by another of the orphans, Brittany Kissinger, uh, just two weeks before it started on Broadway. Because, it's just a lot to fire a child, right? Right. Also, she had bronchitis, but... Basically, public sentiment sided with that original girl because she was the winner of a highly publicised contest to find a new Annie sponsored by the department store Macy's. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that and the fact that um, it got mixed reviews with new staging, it it, it didn't do very well. Uh, The other issue that happened with the show was Nell Carter was playing Miss Hannigan. Yeah. And she was quite upset uh, when there was commercials running um, to promote the show. It used like a white actress in the commercials and like Nell Carter is a black woman and the producers claimed that it was like too expensive to reshoot so they had been made for some other like maybe like a touring production or whatever the commercial yes and it was just like oh it's too expensive to reshoot and she was kind of like maybe they don't want audiences to know that Mel Carter's black Nell Carter is black that's what she said to the New York Post (laughs) so it was really like it was quite messy a 35th anniversary production opened on Broadway in 2012. James Lapine directed it. Did you know that? I no. Didn't, I didn't know that, yeah. So it was um, Anthony Warlow's Broadway debut, which is kind of insane considering, like, he has been so successful so in Australia. Successful, yeah. And even, like, I think a lot of musical theatre fans all over the world would have known who he was. Definitely. Because of how often he played The Phantom yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. And all of his, like, standalone albums. Like, exactly. huge. Yeah, yeah massive. Yeah. So, yeah, it was quite amazing that that was his Broadway debut, I thought. Yes. So he, um, yes, he was in that. Lilla Crawford starred as Annie. She went on to play Little Red Riding Hood in the Into the Woods film, yeah. of course. Um, very talented girl. 
Um, there has been several film adaptations over the years. Mm. The first was in 1982, directed by John Huston and starring Ka- Carol Burnett, Albert Finney, Anne Ryan King, Bernadette Peters and Tim Curry. I mean, also I do love Albert Finney as, as Oliver Warbucks. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there was a made-for-TV Disney adaptation in 1999, mm. uh, directed and choreographed by Rob Marshall, which I didn't realise. Yeah. Um, and this cast was ridiculous for theatre nerds. So Victor Garber uh, was Warbucks, Warbucks, Kathy Bates, Alan Cumming, Audra McDonald, and Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. Like just ridiculous. You know, I was looking to Molly, the little girl. Yeah. I think she was played by Sarah Highland. Who oh, was, really? Um, in the film? Yeah, in the film. And she Modern then, Family. Modern Family, yeah. Yeah, and yeah just she got played married. Molly. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I saw those pictures the other day. <laughs> Uh, there was another film released in 2014, which was produced by Will Smith, his wife Jada Pinkett Smith, and Jay Z. Yeah, uh, it was originally supposed to star Will and Jada's daughter Willow, but basically she aged out of the role before they got to make the film. Yeah, so it instead starred Oscar nominee Kevin A. Wallace as Annie, um, and it also starred was it Jamie Fox? Jamie Fox. They they called the character Will Stacks. Yeah, instead of Warbucks. Uh, Rose Byrne and Cameron Diaz uh, as Cameron Grace. Cameron Diaz was Grace and Miss Hannigan, Hannigan respectively. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, Rose Byrne's real life um, beau was was Rooster as well. I, I always. Oh yeah, what's his? Um, oh my god, I always forget his name. He was in um, he was in that uh, one that that Nicole Kidman was in in Australia that Shane did the scene for. What was that called? Um, Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah, Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah, he's quite handsome. He is. He was handsome. in um. He was in that. The one about the mobsters. Yeah. Anyway. Bobby. um, Bobby Carnivale. Bobby Carnivale. Oh, he is handsome. He is handsome. Um, And in December 2021, NBC presented Annie Live, which starred Taraji (laughs) P. Henson as Miss Hannigan, Harry Connick Jr. as Warbucks, Nicole Scherzinger as Grace from Mm. Pussycat Dolls, Titus Burgess as Rooster and Megan Hilty as Lily. I love Titus Burgess as Rooster. Yeah, so good. So those are the filmed uh, versions. I had seen the 2014 one at the movies. I think we talked about that maybe even like on like on re- record the other week. But um, and until yesterday I hadn't seen that 1999 version. Wait, you'd never seen that before? No. So when you were texting me, that was your first viewing? Yeah. Oh, wow. See, that was like – like I definitely saw it when it came out. My brother and I used to watch it all the time because we loved Alan Cumming doing Easy Street. Yeah, so he does much. it too. He does it really. Oh, I mean, that he's cast so good. is ridiculous. Yes. They're so good. Yeah, very good. Even <clears throat> Kathy Bates. I have to. Yeah, I think she's a great Miss Hannigan. Yeah, she is. I mean, she's such, she's a very talented actress, Kathy Bates. I one thing I noticed that was a little weird, and I had to Google it at the time because. I have only seen this on stage once before, which was the production where my stepdaughter was stepdaughter in. was yep. Annie, and I saw her play Annie. Um, she was great. Yeah, she was a fantastic Annie. And um, but I thought I'm going to look this up because in that 1999 film, it's Rooster and Hannigan who pretend to be Annie's parents. That's right, not Rooster and Lily. But it is always R- Rooster and Lily. And I was like, surely that's not the case because even on screen, I was like. I mean, that's clearly Miss Hannigan. It's clearly Miss Hannigan, Hannigan like, yes. Like, <laughs> I forgot that they did that Annie. in that film. Yeah, I guess they just did it because, like, Kathy Bates was more famous or whatever. I don't know. doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense for it to be. It doesn't make sense anyway. No, it doesn't. But, wow. They were leaning into it a lot. They were. Bless um, them. 
Do you want some fun facts? Yeah, let's still... do fun facts. Okay. Um, notable cast in the past have included Sarah Jessica Parker as um, in the original Broadway production as Annie. She was one of the replacements. Um, this one is so random. Um, Betty Hutton played Miss ha- was a replacement Miss Hannigan in the original production. She was Annie in Annie Get Your Gun in the film. Oh. And like I was obsessed with that film. So yeah, yeah right. her as Miss Hannigan is really cool. Yeah. Um, I wrote this one down for you, but Alison Smith was another notable replacement as Annie. She was um, Mallory in The West Wing. Yes. Yeah. And Mallory as a character shows up like three times. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. I, I only wrote it down for you. Thank N- you. No one listening is going to no care. No one knows. No one no. cares. On tour, Molly Ringwald and Alyssa Milano were both orphans in yes. various. Yeah. Jeez. Alyssa Milano's some... done a lot. Yeah. On... Yeah. I should have mentioned Andrew McArdle was the original original Annie. I didn't mention her. She was also nominated um, as Best Leading Actress. So that also would have been a bit awkward, wouldn't it? Like, that's, all, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, to lose to, to, to Miss Hannigan. I, I, um, I saw a comment written about her. I think it was in an article by Seth Rodetsky recently where he refers to Andrew McArdle as really changing the way that Broadway sang. Like mm. that she was, I think, like in the way that she belts – Rosephine's shaking her head at oh. me. Yeah, I um, I agree. Like listening to that, I don't know it's about you, so but listening to that to original Broadway cast, I'm like, wow, that is intense. And like, is she okay? You wanted to say to that child afterwards, like, are you all right? Did yeah. that really hurt you? Because it sounds awful. It sounds like you're hurting yourself very much. In in a sort of fun cameo, she plays Star to Be in the 1999 yes. movie. And actually she sounds great. Yeah. There, it's 20 years later or whatever. She had some time to recover, probably some surgery. Yeah. Um, so some other fun facts. You currently can't go far on TikTok without hearing Hard Knock Life. Oh, really? Yeah, it's one of the, you know, like – it's one of those songs that every now and then yeah. crops up. And yeah, it's one. And this show has really permeated so like popular yes. culture in such an indelible way. Yeah. Like it's just, um, it's been parodied in many TV shows and other musicals. Notably, you'll appreciate this in Reefer Madness. Yes. With the line, I love this line. A little orphan girl once told me that the sun would come out tomorrow. Her adopted father was a powerful billionaire, so I suppressed the urge to laugh in her face. But now, by gum, I think she may have been onto something. I love it because Alan Cumming is in both. That's as right. Well. Yeah. Uh, it's but this—that's the core of like my issue with the musical. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What else have you got? Um, so I don't know if you read this, but when Annie was in Australia in the year 2000 and Anthony Wallow originally played Daddy Warbucks here. They added a song. They added a song. And I love that. It's And it's like, it's it's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Anthony Wallow is playing the role. Let's give him a song. And that's like now very well accepted. Yeah, that so, Yes. So it was called Why Should I Change a Thing? It's towards the end of act one, isn't it? I don't know where it fell. I think but it I, is. It's yeah. like almost the end of act one. But it just gives him another song, right? But like. Like if you do have Anthony Warlow as your lead, you would give him a okay, song. Okay, right. So it's since been added to several professional productions of this show. Yes. But not the 2012 that Broadway he was revival in. that Anthony <laughs> Warlow played Daddy Warbucks again. Why? I know. I love that. Isn't that random? Yeah. Anyway. Um, there was also a song written for Nell Carter for the 1997 Broadway revival called You Make Me Happy, but oh. it hasn't appeared in any production since. Oh. Yeah. What would she have been singing? Was it to alcohol? It's when um, Grace – no, it was. it's the scene with her and Grace when Grace first comes. Oh, right. I'm pretty but sure when I looked at the – Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. 
because I was like, what, what else does Miss Hannigan yeah. love? Negligees? I know. Alcoholism? Um, so my personal favourite reference to the musical of all time is Rufus Rainwright, Wainwright's 2022 Glastonbury set. Oh, was that recent, that thing you 2022, sent me? 2022, okay. that's right. So he does, my brother-in-law sent it to me a few months ago. He does like an Annie medley in full costume. Yes, um, he sings maybe like a fucking superstar. It's and then, beautiful. Beautiful. Then he performs one of like one of his greatest songs called Going to a Town, which is basically a comment on how screwed up the states are. Um, ah. So if you listen to the whole – the lyrics of that song is all just how tidy is of America. Okay, because I was going to ask you. So Josephine sent me this clip and um, I hadn't seen it before, um, but Josephine has this – undying love for Rufus Wainwright. Undying. And like, fair enough. Forever. He's, he's incredible. He's amazing. Um, But I was going to ask you because I, I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, and it clearly went into one of his songs. Did you then stop it? You didn't watch the song? No, like, I watched the song. Oh yeah, yeah. But I was kind of like, but I obviously wasn't listening to the lyrics well yeah. enough to be like, what's the connection? Like, yeah. and so I was going to ask you what the connection was. Yeah, yeah, so the lyrics are like, I'm going to a town that has already been burnt down. I'm so tired of you, America. The whole song yeah. is just about like how, yeah. Um, Love that. So it's a great comment and it was a sublime set and I highly recommend it. I finally – I haven't for a long time utilised our – we have a shared document of links where I give you links that I yeah. recommended in the podcast. I've added this link Excellent. to that document, which Excellent. I haven't added to in a I long will, time. Uh, that's good because I wouldn't have checked it. Mm, there you go. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about the, the sequels that have been attempted. Oh, yes. So the first attempt was called Annie 2, Miss Hannigan's Revenge. Wasn't it just like – Panned is the worst yeah. thing ever. It played at the Kennedy Center in December 1989 to universally disastrous reviews. Yeah. Um, and they basically, they tried to rework it and it was just, nah, it's not going to work. It was abandoned. Uh, a second attempt in 1993 <laughs> with a different plot and score titled Annie Warbucks um, was developed at the Goodspeed Opera House, uh, which is actually where the original had premiered. Yeah. Uh, un, under the direction of Michael P. Price. It opened off-Broadway at the Variety Arts Theatre and ran for 200 performances. Oh, well. <laughs> Good on them. Who goes to see Annie too? I know. Like who? It's People so who love Annie. Mm. Um, I want to talk about the New Deal a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. So the New Deal was pretty important stuff. Basically, um, obviously we're not Americans, but this was a time, as far as I'm aware, of great distrust in government in the States. Um, and the New Deal really had so many positive impacts. So the president at the time was Franklin Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, um, Roosevelt, you know, anyway. Yeah. That's my accent. Um, so really it was basically like with this whole suite of regulations, reforms and public programs that were aimed at alleviating the pressures of the Great Depression and the effects of. It focused on relief for the unemployed and the poor, recovery of the economy and reform of the banking system to prevent a future depression. But mm. it was like it was an incredibly – because um, FDR is a Democrat. So it was like this very much like looking after the elderly, looking after youth, supporting the arts and like public places and spaces and then like highly regulating um, – Industry, basically, mm. banking and also like there are a couple of other things that like it's a huge piece of um, of work and obviously he worked really hard on it. But it was really a turning point for the for democracy and well, not that the states is a democracy, but just for for trust in the government. Yeah, um, it was incredibly significant. So, yeah, according to Annie, um, Annie was the. So my understanding was part of it was for the arts, it's one of the only times there's been like a federal – so like in Australia, for example, people not, might not realise, but we do do – we have a lot of subsidised yeah. art 
stuff that happens in comparison to somewhere like America. I would say the UK probably supports it a bit more than yep. we do. Yeah. Um, but, you know. But in um, the US it's largely privatised. That's right. Like, in so, fact, Oh. Pretty much completely. Yeah. Like yeah. there's very little federal funding for arts programs. Whereas, say here, you know, companies like Opera Australia, the Australian Ballet, Sydney Theatre Company, Melbourne Theatre Company, they are getting They're a supported. fair amount of money. Yeah. That's right. So, so you know, subsidised sort of thing. And they do also need to sort of function within themselves, but they don't completely need to rely on yes. um, ticket sales. They don't completely need to rely on you know, um, philanthropy, that sort of thing. Whereas, yeah, in America, it's literally like rich people give the companies money and that's what they have to survive. Um, So I had heard about um, in the the New New Deal, Deal, apparently it was one of the only times there was like this big sort of federal fund for the arts and it – and it um, supported a bunch of people and a bunch of projects that never would have happened otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I wish I could tell you specifics. It was like some podcast I listened to ages ago. But. Yeah. Well, I did a bit of reading into it because obviously this is the only part of any research that I enjoyed was finding out more about this. But it was like really quite groundbreaking and um, FDR was like re-elected later, mm. after, I think just before the end of the war, World War Two. But, um, yeah, it was really fascinating. But then I just think, like, when it's shoehorned into a musical like this, it's yeah. really – It's awkward. It's awkward. And particularly because, as Ruth said, this is this is a musical that is quite capitalistic. It just feels really disingenuous yeah. to then include this piece of, like, work that – this political work. And kind of in that note, I was – so I watched the, the – like I said, I watched that Disney TV movie yesterday and I just wrote down some random thoughts at the <laughs> yeah. time. But one of them was that – they use those um, real – oh, I don't know if that song – that song is actually cut from the, that movie, but I remember reading about knowing that song existed, but where it's all those real cabinet members yes. sing that song. Yes. Is it A New Deal for Christmas? Is that the yep, song they sing? Yeah, A New Deal for something Christmas. Something like that. Yep, that's, um, what, that's what it is. Yeah, and it's like it's like, like if you're in the Wikipedia entry for this musical – and it lists the characters that sing the song, and everyone knows Wikipedia. Each of those characters has its own yep, hyperlink because they're a real to person talk about who the, the real cabinet. cabinet member that existed. Yep, it's just utterly bizarre, <laughs> bizarre. So this was part of the argument I was having in the car, and then I was like, and then the president shows up, and then my husband and stepdaughter go because they were free. He was friends with Oliver Warbucks. I'm like, what? <sighs> like, what are you? T- mm. Okay. Anyway. Can I tell you something about the original comic strip? Yeah. So in according to the original strip, Oliver Warbucks made his money producing munitions during World War One. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's such a shame. I was like, how is this guy still so rich in the Great Depression? Yeah. And Shane was like, I think he was in steel or something. I'm, when like, I found out he was um, in arms. So, yeah. <laughs> Making guns. Making guns. Or also, yeah, who knows? Also, according to the comic strip, in the 1930s, during the Great Depression, the formula was tweaked. So, the strip is very different from the musical. Okay. Um, Daddy Warbucks lost his fortune due to a corrupt rival and briefly died from despair at the 1944 re-election of FDR. Oh. Because in the comic strip, he is like, not even remotely supportive of the democratic oh. agenda. So Warbucks was often a platform for the cartoonist Harold Gray's political views, um, which were free market based. So very much opposing New Deal policies. Interesting. Yeah. So he sometimes expounded on the need for wealthy men to work hard lest the masses have no employment. <laughs> At the same time, capitalists who underpaid or mistreated their workers were portrayed in a negative light with corrupt businessmen often being shown as the villains. Um, but yeah, in 1944, Gray briefly killed off Warbucks on the grounds that it was widely thought that capitalists were obsolete. 
Warbucks was resurrected, however, after FDR's death, um, which is just fascinating to yeah. me. So then like in that the musical and the film adaptations, it differs because it shows him as an associate of FDR, whereas in the strip he was very much like anti-FDR. Yeah. Um, this is directly from the Wikipedia, I think, but basically the musical takes steps to reconcile this by explaining that Warbucks is a self-made, self-reliant millionaire who prides himself on never asking anyone for help. The depression is eating into his financial empire and although still a long way from poverty, he's lobbying Roosevelt to take steps to resolve the depression. Warbucks is fiercely adamant that even this does not constitute asking for help. He lobbies on the basis that if I'm not making money, then no one is. Warbucks is finally forced to abandon his stance and ask Roosevelt for help when he needs to rapidly disprove the claim of, you know, Annie's parents, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's interesting how they tried to shift his politics, but like, well, yeah. no, he's still a billionaire. Uh, I know. <laughs> um, and uh, similarly, I read that, is I think it's in the comic strip, Miss Hannigan doesn't exist, right? Like they created mm -hmm. that character. But it's Mrs. Warbucks', Warbucks wife who's is the villain. The, is the villain. Yeah, she like when Warbucks goes on like a business trip, she'll just like dump Annie back yeah, at the it's orphanage. Like that's a common trope yeah. of the comic strip. Yeah, where Annie just gets dumped back and then yeah. Warbucks comes back and is like, where's Annie? <laughs> and the uh, wife just has to go pick her up again. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, um, Annie's been translated into 28 languages. I mean, not surprising really. No. No. Um, I don't have any more fun facts. Oh, I've got more. Oh, great. Um, Steve Martin turned down the role of Rooster in the original film. Oh, that's fun. But apparently because the timing coincided with his breakup from Bernadette Peters, Ooh, he just he couldn't do it. He saucy. said he was yeah, too heartbroken to act next to her because wow. they were together for quite a long time. That's right. Um, but, yeah, they broke up and then he couldn't be Rooster. Tim Curry was an excellent yeah. Rooster, though. So good. I think Steve Martin would have been really good, though. He would have been great. He would have been a very different sort of Super Rooster. Super charismatic. I mean, he's so charismatic. Yes, but then so is Tim Curry. Yeah, true. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got a whole list of reasons why it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get into that. I'll okay, you tell me what, stuff and then we'll Okay, you do positive stuff. Um, so I kept thinking throughout the TV movie that you can tell this show is set in 1933 because the room that the orphans are all sharing when they sleep is like this enormous room. <laughs> and now that would be worth like literally millions and can millions of dollars Can you imagine that real estate in New, in New York? It's this enormous room that they're all sleeping in. And I was just like, that is worth a fortune. Yes. <laughs> That's all I could think about. Um, the dog that plays Sandy is so cute yeah, in that so TV cute. movie. What, I was like, "What type of dog is it?" It's oh, like maybe a, like a Labradoodle or something. Like yeah, that kind of like it's shaggy. shaggy. It's not. Yeah, not yeah, like a long-haired. Yeah, you're it's right. Like a wolfhound or something. Yeah, but like Sandy, any dog breed. Yeah, finding out. Um, and oh yeah, I mean this sort of. Oh, it's a terrier. Yeah, of course. Is it because of the long hair? Yeah. Okay, but like big, a big terrier, a beige terrier mix. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Um, I and this can segue into things you don't like about, but I like. I just wrote. Can we talk about the entire premise of borrowing an orphan for Christmas <laughs> and how he wanted a boy specifically? Uh, yeah, that is one of my dot points. Yeah. So let me start with. Obviously, this musical is incredibly influential. It's an important work. Yeah. Right. Like, it's it's had a huge cultural impact. I just don't think it's good. Um, I think it represents musical theatre in a way that is really inauthentic. And mm. unnecessarily dramatic. Here are the reasons why. Firstly, the script is quite mediocre, in my opinion. Obviously, it's preposterous in many, many ways. Like, 
But there is also little character development. I think probably Oliver Warbucks is the only character that's really developed. Yeah. Um, somehow the 11-year-old orphan who's been raised by an alcoholic child hater is like quite well adjusted and has like a, a great innate sense of morality. Yeah. Like, like okay, j- sure, um, that that makes great sense. Also the songs are memorable obviously but and they're all earworms, which is not necessarily a good thing, but they're not sophisticated, which is also okay. Like yeah. you don't have to have sophisticated yeah. music but the lyrics are quite lazy in parts. Mm. For example, no one cares for you a smidge when you're in an orphanage. <laughs> but my personal favourite, Santa Claus we never see. Santa Claus, what's that? Who's he? It's just lazy because like the whole point of Santa is that you don't see Santa. Yeah. So like why would you say that? Santa Claus we never see. We're like, yes, that's that, right. That's the point. That's the point. Yeah. Oh gosh, I'm getting worked up. Um also like maybe, yes, maybe that like organization orphanages weren't very careful about who they put in charge of children in the nineteen thirties. But like Miss Hannigan is quite unfit. Um, the whole city seems to know it as well. Like everyone yeah. talks about how terrible she – so like why does she have this job? And so she's obviously the villain, um, which I get, but she is she is an alcoholic. Yeah. She's a chain smoker. She and hates she, children. She also is just like always wearing a negligee and yeah. is very horny. Yeah. Like horny for any man who walks in the door. Yeah. Like why is this person in charge of children? Yeah. Um, she just hits on every single guy it who walks in the door. does feel like you're slut-shaming Miss Hannigan a bit there, Josephine. And you know that that is not how I like to operate. <laughs> but I feel like when you're in charge of children, you can just like put on a, like clothes. <laughs> She's literally wearing a negligee for the entire time. And the main reason that I am slut shaming her is that like when she should have been looking after the children, she was just like coming on to guys. Yeah. And just like do that. She's not in doing her job. She's not doing a job. That's right. That's my problem. Um how many children live in this orphanage as well? Yeah, it's like, not clear. The ratio of care, Miss yes, Hannigan, to, to children, it yeah. seems not right. Because <laughs> all of a sudden someone starts singing and then hundreds of kids just like yes. pound onto the stage. Not okay. Um, also, like presumably an adult, the laundry guy, helps Annie leave the orphanage yeah. then to just roam the streets. Yeah. So he's like, sure, yeah, I'll help you. Off you go. So I don't know. Like what's that about? Yeah. And yes, how can people just take orphans? So even in the 30s, I feel like they there should have been surely there was some sort of rule around like yes. just plucking an orphan out of an orphanage for just a sus weekend. Yeah. There's a there's a play, an Australian play called Stolen, which yeah. is about this used to happen, right, with like Aboriginal children yeah, were sort of like generation. rented out yeah. from the missions as like hired help. Yeah. And obviously that is that is just awful. So there's precedent for this, but it is not like a nice no. millionaire trying to just give you a good weekend. It's usually like we'll take an orphan so that they can be a maid yeah. in our house or be sexually abused. Yeah. So like what like how is that the plot yeah. line? And so then my husband was like, It's it's a PR stunt. That's the whole point of it. I'm like, it's really sus. Like that should be bad PR. Yeah. Cause if the newspaper caught wind of he's just picking up an orphan. Yeah. But no, apparently that's a really that's a good sign. That he's picking oh up an God. orphan. Terrible. And once again, like in that way that it is super capitalistic as well, like there's that line at the end where FDR is like, and I'm going to make sure all you like orphans get, um, you know, well, at least this was in the TV movie. Yeah. Um, get put with like respectable homes That's or whatever. Right. And it's like, once again, it's like because suddenly you're like aware of the problem or whatever, now these guys get homes. You yep. know what I mean? Before like, then, we didn't know orphans existed know. before this. I can't believe there's a whole orphanage full of you. Like what? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And the other one that was a little bit sus to me as well is, so like Grace and War- and Warbucks, Warbucks like end up together at the end of the show. Sure, yeah. And it's like 
she is his employee. Yeah. And There's a huge power imbalance Yes, there. exactly. Like, and I know that no one cared about those things um, when this was written. But It's also really unnecessary. Yeah, super unnecessary. Don't need it. Don't yeah. need a love story there. Nah. Nah. Exactly. And there's no consequences for Miss Hannigan's behaviour. No, nah, Like she's zero. just like, no, that's fine. Yeah. She was trying her best. Oh, is she like, well, in the TV movie she sort of gets carted off to an asylum? Yeah, no. I think in the musical it's just nothing. There's nothing. No. Yeah. no. Oh, dear. It's, it's yeah. a bit of, it's just a mess. And like, again, it's one of those things where it's like you can you can love something and this is what I will say to your husband when we see him later. I would say that it's fine for you to love this show yes. if you can acknowledge that it's a mess. So his thing was like, but so what? Like, like you, you think this is implausible, but like no, there's no other musical that's implausible. I'm like, that's not what I'm saying, Shane. Like, but when you add the, all the things up, it makes a not like a very mediocre work yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. And then I brought in Mamma Mia and then they got more upset because I was mentioning – anyway, it was a whole thing. And <laughs> He's and not going to win tonight because Andrew hates it. Well, I think he thinks that we're just haters. Right. Me and Andrew, and he has no respect for that. <laughs> <laughs> not me, though. No, he thinks you're quite he – he'll be surprised, I think. With Willie, yeah. okay, yeah. Mm. But also, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is – You can appreciate it. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I can see why other people love it. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see why your husband loves it. Yes, right? yes. And uh, I would like – like I said, some of the songs are great. They are earworms. And like I used to sing, oh, that's what I sang, Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile. Yeah. I used to sing that one. Yeah. Why is that song in the musical, you ask? No reason. I have it as no a gateway. No narrative reason. Do you know what my gateways are? Yeah, let's talk gateways. None. Because <laughs> A, you already know all the songs and B, if you don't, you shouldn't. So you don't okay. get any gateways from me. Hilarious. Okay. Well, I'm listing um, the two most famous songs right. tomorrow. I've gone for the – it was funny. Do you like the song Tomorrow? Um, I like it more like when Grace sings it mm. later in the show. Yeah. Um, and uh, also I don't mind it. Mm. It, it is catchy. Mm. Let's put it that way. Um, but I've put Tomorrow. Mm. I found listening I, – so I listened to a few different recordings this week and oh my god, it's very hard to listen to an older recording of this show because because I know and, and yes. look, I hate that we've come to a world of musical theatre where everyone's voices have to be the same and pleasant and rounded and but smooth. This, this but it's really hard to listen to this show with yes. a seventies voice it's, singing it. It's so grating. To grating to. is the word, and that's part of why I hate this musical is because it's grating. Yeah, it's small children like. Belting at you Just before screaming. safe belting was Screeching. a thing. Yep. Um, and so I I ended up mostly listening to the – so the, I don't think they did a recording in 2012, or at least it's not on Spotify if they oh, did. Oh, that's the other person I should mention in the 2012, Sadie Sink, who is in Stranger Things, is, plays Max in Stranger Things. She was one of the Annies oh, okay. at the time. Yeah. Okay, cool. I forgot cool. about that one, but yes. Um, lovely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so – I don't think they did a recording of that No, I don't production. think they did either. Um, but anyway, on Spotify, and I'll list the ones that are on there, I really was like, which one am I going to listen to? And I ended up listening to that Disney version just because I knew I would like this, the voices and stuff. And the little girl that plays Annie is very – is she has 
more like what we would consider yeah. now to yeah. be um, it's an, a it's pleasant, a nicer sound. Yes, yes. A- and she's not she's not yelling. Yeah. Tomorrow, she you was know? in something else. I can't remember. Anyway, well, yes. she. I know that she was in Les Mis on Broadway as a Cosette before yeah. she got this. Yeah. Um, and they did a massive search apparently for the girls. So if I had Annie. got the role of young Cosette, I may have. That's right. I may have made it. That's it. Ugh. It all um, comes back to that. So my gateways are I've I've done tomorrow. tomorrow. I've done that version of tomorrow. I've done I've done Hard Knock Life from the NBC Annie Live. Not so much because you need to listen to that version, but it's on YouTube and it is the choreography's really good. <laughs> they so do random. like um Well there is lots of cool moments for choreography. Yeah, in the show. they do um because Sergio Trujillo was the choreographer who's done some great Broadway stuff as yeah. well. Did uh, the Gloria Estefan on your feet did that show and um now that song's gonna be in my head. It's a great song. Get on your feet. Um Do you remember that from Parks and Rec where they had to then walk out to the Oh yes <laughs> It's a great moment. Mad side. Um note, Yeah, so um they do like um I'm I'm trying stepping is it like 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 it's literally a a black form of like dancing right um they incorporate that into the choreography because um Annie is a little black girl in um yeah. in in that version kind of thing and they incorporate that into it and it's very cool choreography basically yeah cool um so that's on YouTube is it that is on YouTube and then I've also gone with I just you're never fully dressed without a smile uh, was Ruth. In, was in a musical that. Josephine I and I did. These are the two most. Um... No, I said those two and this one. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So obviously, Hard Knock Life and Tomorrow are like the massive, the massive famous, hits. Yeah, yeah. So you're never fully dressed. Josephine and I did a pantomime in 2006, and the fact that there were two songs from Annie in there were. Um, you're never fully dressed was in it, and so was that one. Yeah, together forever. What is it called? Yeah. Oh. It's something. Dun, 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 I don't need anything but you. I don't need anything. Yes, was in this pants that we did. It's also a very famous song. Yeah, that is. Yeah. yeah. Um. That, so they were both in that, and you know, fully dressed with a smile gets in my head all the time. Yeah. So I've just put that on there because it's a fun. I've done the version that the little the little girls sing in the orphanage. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Sure. That's why I've put it on there. So the versions that are on Spotify. Yes. There is the original film soundtrack. <laughs> don't listen to that. <laughs> The 2014 film soundtrack, also definitely don't listen to that. Don't. The original Broadway cast, the 1999 TV movie soundtrack, and the two, the 2021 Annie Live soundtrack, and also this random 2008 30th anniversary recording, which was like kind of like a mega cast. They got all these like people together to record it. It's the only recording of the full show. Oh, right. And it also includes like cut songs and like songs from the sequels, which, cool. which existed. So anyway, I, I am linking to all of those. For those diehard, if you've made it this far being an Annie fan, listening to us I just know. shit all over what you I apologise. Yeah. And like once again, we – all art is good art. It really is. Hundred percent. So go love. I love what you that those love. people have gotten work of these. I love that those little girls are getting to live out their dreams. Little girls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I would love to play Miss Hannigan one day. Yes, it'd be a great role. Be a great role. Yeah. Wear a negligee. Drink. It's my favorite. All things, things. you love to do. <laughs> Indeed. Hate children. No, I don't hate children. Uh, thanks, Ruth. That was pleasant. Yes, I, I think in the past when we haven't liked shows. It's been more kind of because they were very dated, say, mm. or like a mm. bit racist, for mm. example, or this feels more 
personal, doesn't it? It does. And <laughs> although I will say I think we have fine reasoning for our yeah. hatred. But yeah, this feels like maybe maybe in ten years the rest of the world will be like, oh, Annie's a bit Annie's a bit problematic. Yeah. It is a bit problematic. It is a little. Yeah, yeah. it's very worshipping of money, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how it can solve problems. Yes. Stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. Now that we all know what privilege is, it feels like Annie shouldn't be such a thing anymore. Yeah, like just examine your Annie. <laughs> all right. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.